Let us turn in the New Testament book to New Testament to the book of Romans, chapter five. Romans five. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more, being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. And not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment was made by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. Even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, Grace did much more abound. That is, sin hath reigned unto death, 
even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ, our Lord. Thus far we read God's holy and inerrant word. May God bless the reading of his holy scriptures to our hearts. The text that we consider for the sermon this afternoon is verses 3 and 4 of Romans chapter 5. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. Beloved congregation in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Apostle Paul makes a statement here that if this statement were not recorded and preserved on the pages of Holy Scripture, we might say we could never, ever make such a statement ourselves. A remarkable statement of this text is that the Apostle Paul gloried in tribulations. And who can say that with him? We might be able to say, I bear up in tribulations. It is heavy. It is grievous to be born. It nearly crushes my soul or my body, but I bear up under it. I grit my teeth and I press on day by day, hour after hour. Some might be able to say that. But who says, I glory in tribulations? Nor did the Apostle Paul say here that once the tribulation was finished and after the fact he could reflect upon that tribulation and he could see how that tribulation served a purpose in his life and so now that he's finished with this tribulation with 2020 hindsight he can evaluate that tribulation and say yes I can see how that tribulation was for my good but that's not what he says here the remarkable confession that he makes is he glories in tribulations. And then not just he alone, but we collectively. And not only so, not only is it the case that the earlier verses are true, that we've been justified by faith, that we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Not only is it the case that that is true, but also this is true, that we who belong unto Jesus Christ glory in tribulations. This is, by God's grace, your confession. 
and mine as well. Glorying in tribulations. First, we'll consider the confession that we make here with Paul of old. Second, the reason that we can make this. How is it possible to say this? And then third, consider the confidence that we have, looking especially at that word knowing, knowing that tribulation works. Glorying in tribulation, the confession, the reason, the confidence. We must understand something of this word tribulations, which, in which Paul says he glories. Not only so, but we glory in tribulations. Tribulations are afflictions. They are seasons of adversity which are experienced by every person who spends any length of time upon this earth which has come under God's curse. This word tribulations, the original word means literally to be in a narrow place or even to be squeezed together. It has this idea of like a grape that is going to be squeezed in the wine press and the juices flow from it in order to make the wine from that. That's the idea here of this word, tribulations. The one who experiences tribulations is squeezed or pressed. He's in a very difficult, narrow way. This word translated tribulations is to be understood broadly. It refers to many and various different sorts of afflictions that one experiences upon this earth. James, in James 1 verse 27, speaks of the afflictions of the fatherless and of the widows. Acts 7 verse 11, there is a great affliction that came over the land because of a dearth, a famine, and our fathers, quote, found no sustenance in the land because of the dearth. Tribulations includes sicknesses, diseases, sorrows. Tribulations includes handicaps, impairments, would include a trial that is going to continue not just for a season or two, but a trial that will go with an individual until the day of his death. Included in this word tribulations is the trial of poverty, having a shortage of the basic essentials of the things of this earth. Includes the one who has lost a job, the one who loses money farming, the one who is bypassed for a promotion at work and who now struggles to make ends meet financially, the one who is concerned about how he or she is going to pay the bills, tribulations. Included in this term are the sorrows of life. There is the pain of separation when a loved one moves away to a distant place. There is the pain of separation that happens at death. 
when God removes a spouse, a sibling, parent, or child. Included in this word tribulations are the afflictions that come by way of conflict in life. Sinful words of a loved one directed against you. The betrayal of trust in a friend whom previously you had a close relationship. A wayward child who continues in impenitence. And so the question then as we stand before all these trials of life with which you are intimately familiar is this. Are you able to glory in tribulations. But what makes it even more difficult to glory in tribulations is the deepest reason and explanation for our tribulations. Why is it that there is adversity on this earth? Why is it that oftentimes we feel as though we are being squeezed into a very difficult, narrow, and small way upon this earth? Ultimately, the reason for afflictions and trials upon this earth is because Adam and Eve partook of that forbidden fruit. Romans chapter 5 speaks of that original sin that we with Adam have a corporate responsibility for disobeying God's holy law. And so the Christian then as he goes through adversities of life acknowledges that I am receiving what I deserve. It is because I am responsible for breaking God's laws that now I taste of the judgment of God and the justice of God through these tribulations which come to me upon this earth. Now we glory in them. And then as well, there is the suffering that God's people experience because they live as the light of the world. Righteousness, or rather sin, is opposed to righteousness. The world is opposed to the kingdom of light. There is enmity between the seed of the woman on the one hand and the seed of the serpent on the other hand. And as these two seeds come into contact one with another upon this earth, there is tension and there is enmity. God calls us to live holy and antithetical lifestyles. And when one lives in a holy way and lets his light shine before men, the result is that the world does not like that holiness, but opposes it, mocks it, ridicules it. Jesus Christ himself said so in John 15, verse 19. If ye were of the world, the world would love his own. But because ye are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. And so this belongs as well to the tribulations that the children of God experience upon this earth. There is opposition from those who are of the world. At times we do not always experience this so keenly. 
At times, we can seemingly get along with the people of the world, but more and more the world will reveal their opposition to righteousness and their laws and their refusal to hire Christians or their refusal to promote Christians within the workplace. The world will try to squeeze the church to make the place of the church the place of the church in this world very small and very narrow. Now the apostle Paul says glories. He glories in these tribulations. The word gloried means he boasted boasted in his tribulations. He was not ashamed of them. He did not try to minimize or hide his tribulations, but he boasted. Now, boasting must be understood here that this was a proper boasting. It was not a sinful or an immoral boasting. It's not that the Apostle Paul was bragging about the amount or the intensity of the tribulations that he endured. You've probably met someone like that. Someone who is always willing to share with you the trials and hardships that they have in their lives. And it seems in the way that they share those trials that what they're really looking for is you to praise them for bearing up so well underneath such hard trials and hardships in life. They're boasting, they're bragging because they want attention or they want some sort of response of honor for what they have borne up under. That's not what the Apostle Paul is doing here when the Scriptures say that we glory in tribulations. Rather, that he boasted or gloried in tribulations means this, that he rejoiced in and was thankful for the tribulations that God had placed in his life. That's the idea of glorying, that I rejoice in and am thankful for the tribulations which God in his sovereign and good wisdom has brought into my life. It's having the ability to see the goodness of God in bringing this particular trial into my life. To be sure, the Christian is not always immediately able to glory in tribulations. There are times when the Christian is not glorying, but instead the Christian is weeping. And the Christian is inconsolable. There's a time when, as the Christian stands before the open casket of the loved one, that the tears flow freely down the cheeks of that child of God. There are times where the Christian is so broken by the thought of his or her own sinfulness that the Christian is ashamed and cries out unto God, pleading for the forgiveness of sins in Jesus Christ. The text does not mean, nor is the text teaching, 
that one must be glorying, one must be rejoicing in every single moment of every single trial and tribulation that one experiences upon this earth. But the idea of the text is this, that one must come to the point where he or she is able to glory in tribulations. It does not happen immediately. It does not oftentimes happen overnight. But by the grace of God, one comes to this point where he arrives at the spot where he can say, yes, I glory in this tribulation. We glory, according to this text, in tribulations, which are not something that we naturally would boast about. By nature, we would glory in things that are quite different. We who are parents might see an accomplishment of the child and want to glory in the accomplishments of our children. We who are involved in sports might have achieved something that was a goal for us and we want to glory in and rejoice in that accomplishment on the sports field. But the the glorying that the Apostle Paul speaks of here is not in the accomplishments that we have done on this earth, but our glorying is in tribulations. Can this even be our confession? This is an incredibly difficult thing to do. So difficult that I hesitated even to preach on this text. For who am I to call a congregation to glory in tribulations when I recognize my own struggles in glorying in tribulations? The reality is that the holiest of saints in this congregation have but a small beginning in their ability to glory in tribulations. But the Bible has examples of men who did glory. Think of Job. Job was squeezed mightily by God. He lost his livelihood his possessions, his children, his health. His wife encouraged him, cursed God, and died. But Job's response, the Lord gave and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Or consider the Apostle Paul who had a thorn in the flesh which plagued him. He pleaded of God not once, not twice, but three times over for God to remove that thorn in the flesh. God's answer to Paul was, no, the thorn in the flesh is going to stay with you. And Paul responded, most gladly, therefore, will I glory in my infirmity. And you can too. Not because you are ignorant of the tribulations that you have, 
not because you in a stoical way can grit your teeth and bear up under it and of your own strength come to glory in them. You can glory in tribulations because the word of God teaches that there is profit in them. Tribulations, according to this text, work. Tribulations work patience and experience and hope. That's the reason that the child of God is able to confess with Paul that I too glory in tribulations because there is some spiritual benefit in this tribulation for me. The first benefit that is listed by the Apostle Paul here is patience. Knowing that tribulation worketh patience. Patience is a spiritual strength that God gives unto His people. God is the God of perfect patience. And God grants unto His children upon this earth that spiritual virtue of being patient in tribulations. Patience means more than simply waiting for something that we want. Sometimes that's how we use the word patience. A young child hungry for the meal starts getting excited and crying out. And the mother or father must admonish the child, be patient, the food is coming. But that's, that doesn't capture the entirety here of this word, patience. Patience is not simply waiting for something to be delivered to us at a future date. But patience is something that is an activity on behalf of the child of God. To be patient is to bear up under the particular burden that God has placed in one's life. Patience is continuing steadfastly in serving God even in the midst of a particular trial that He has placed in your life. Patience means that we persevere in the way of faithfulness and obedience unto God. Consider again the example of the Apostle Paul who had a thorn in the flesh that was not removed. Paul did not say then when he had that thorn in the flesh that he wasn't going to be able to worship God, wasn't going to be able to praise God until after that thorn in the flesh was removed. But instead the Apostle Paul worshipped God in the midst of the tribulation. That's patience. Or consider Paul and Silas who were imprisoned and then their backs were torn open by whips. And the Bible teaches us they sang psalms to God. Patience, bearing up in obedience to God in the midst of the tribulation. God uses these tribulations to work in us. Work. The word work means to produce. Think of a weightlifter who has as the goal to add muscle mass to the body. So that weightlifter then goes to the gym to work out but that weightlifter understands if his muscles are going to be strengthened, he has to 
work the muscles. And so he exercises the muscles with the goal of them being strengthened. And so it is for us then spiritually. Tribulations work in us. They produce as God sends us through the heat of the trials of this earth. They are at work on us, strengthening us. The way that tribulations work patience in us is by faith. The power of endurance is found in faith. Faith clings to Jesus Christ. Faith draws its strength from Jesus Christ. Faith beholds the mediator who was delivered for our transgressions, who descended to the depths of hell in order that he might pay for our sins. By faith, then, as we go through the tribulations of life, God more and more gives unto us that spiritual virtue of patience. And then patience works experience. Knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience. The word experience means tested or approved. The idea here is it refers to someone who has an approved character from God. Someone who knows that God looks down upon that individual and approves of that person. Think of gold coin that's put through the heat of the fire and any unwanted material on that gold dross is burned away so that way when that gold coin comes out on the other side of the fire one can be confident that what is left is pure untarnished gold That's the idea here, beloved, with regard to you. As you go through the trials of life, God, as it were, sends you through the heat of the fire, which burns away the spiritual dross of our lives. So that what comes out then on the other side of the heat of the fire is one who is pure and undefiled, blameless before God. It's remarkable here that this experience, this approved character is given unto you for your benefit. It's not as if God does not know what is hidden inside your heart. As if God is wondering whether this person is indeed his own child. And so God needs to use then the trial to reveal that which is hidden in the heart of that individual. And then at last, aha, God discovers that, yes, you are his child. No, it's not the case that God sends you through trials so that he can learn the hidden character of your heart. But God sends you through trials so that you might learn the hidden character of your own heart. For the one lacking faith, trials will bring out the worst 
in that individual. The child of this world, as they go through the heat of tribulations, there will be revealed anger and bitterness and discontent. But for the child of God, as that child submits to the hand of the Father, it reveals something different that is hidden deep within. It shows that there is within that child of God a new heart, a soft and a fleshy heart. There is in that child the new man of Jesus Christ. God uses trials to give unto us that knowledge that there is within us this new man of Christ who has an approved character of God. And then hope, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. Hope is an expectation of a future good. The word hope here refers to the activity of hoping. This follows naturally from having an approved character. If it is indeed the case that I am a child of God and I know that I am a child of God, for he has given unto me that testimony in my heart and in my soul, then this child of God also hopes. He places his hope in God. Hope is a longing that looks to the future. And hope is confident. God uses then the trials of this earth to teach us to long for the future. If it were not for trials and tribulations on this earth, we would be too easily content with the place that we occupy upon this earth. If it were not for trials upon this earth, we'd become too enamored with material possessions. We would put our hope in men or the institutions or the inventions of men. And so it is necessary then that God send in love to us trials. And He uses these trials to teach us that our hope is not to be placed on the things of this earth. Hope in man disappoints. It puts to shame. Moth and rust corrupt. Thieves break in and steal the things that belong to us upon this earth. But hope in God never disappoints. The hope in God that we have is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who is given unto us. God who is the faithful, covenant-keeping God who makes promises unto His children and who never breaks that word to His children. It is this God in whom we hope. What confidence the child of God has that this is true. The apostle speaks of that confidence with the word knowing. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also knowing. That tribulation works. It produces in us spiritual benefits. 
The Christian knows this to be true subjectively. In your own heart, you have found this to be the case, that you're able to glory in tribulations because God uses it for your spiritual strengthening. This is not just a head knowledge. This is not just an intellectual confession about what is truth. But this is some, a truth that is pressed upon the consciousness of our souls by the trials and the hardships of this life. We know that when God sends trials, He does so as a father who cares for His children and who desires their holiness. We grow day by day, week by week, month after month in this knowledge. It is not something that immediately we are aware of. In our youth, we dislike trials. We find them uncomfortable. And we hope that these trials will soon pass away. As we mature in age, we still find trials dislikable to us by nature. But we start to discover that God uses these trials for our good. God has a sanctifying purpose in leaving this particular trial in our lives. How can we know this to be true? It's by the Holy Spirit. Verse 5, And hope maketh not ashamed because The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. The Spirit of Christ, He is the one who works in us. Patience, experience, hope. The Spirit is the one who bears witness with our spirits that we are the sons and the daughters of God. The Spirit is the one who upheld Jesus Christ throughout His earthly ministry. The Spirit is He who sustained Jesus when He bore in body and in soul the wrath for the, for the, of God for the sins of His children. The same Spirit who bore up Jesus Christ bears up you, God's children. And so we confess with the Apostle Paul, by faith, we do glory in tribulations. We glory in them not because we are stronger than the people of the world, but we glory in them because God grants unto us His Holy Spirit and conviction of the truth that trial is for our profit. Being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so we rejoice. We bear patiently in adversity. We seek with increasing desire the return of our beloved Savior Jesus Christ. And we stand by faith in the knowledge of our own personal justification through the finished work of Jesus Christ. Amen.
Let us pray. Father and our God in heaven, we thank thee that by the obedience of one man, Jesus Christ, many are made righteous. Wilt thou grant unto us a rich portion of thy Holy Spirit? May he teach us and comfort us and sustain us. Wilt thou, Father, grant unto us eagerness for the return of Jesus Christ. We look forward with hope to that day when he will come on the clouds of glory and establish his everlasting kingdom. Come, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Amen.